Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. Well, today we are going to finish up this series on the armor of God. Again, listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. And everybody should be able to quote this by now. You should have committed this to memory. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Then he says to put on the full, and that's what we've been doing, looking at the full armor. But put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, his methods, his plans. For our struggle, our fight, is not against flesh and blood. We're in a spiritual battle here, ladies and gentlemen. We fight against rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, he says, we've got to put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Now notice he didn't say if the day of evil comes, he says when. And and for the most part, we're living in an evil day. But how many of you know what it's like when you face your own personal evil day, when it seems like the enemy just unleashes all of hell against you? And it's not if it's going to happen, but when. That when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, he says, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of this, he said, take the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And he said, take the helmet of salvation, and then we come down to this piece of the armor today. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And those of you who know how much I love the Word of God, know I've been looking forward to this day. This Sunday, when we talk specifically about the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today is the sword of the spirit. And notice again what the apostle Paul said. He said it's the sword of the spirit and he tells us what the sword of the spirit is. He said that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. The word of God. Now David tells us much about what we need to know as it relates to the word of God. And I'm not gonna talk much about this passage of scripture. Matter of fact, a few weeks ago on a Wednesday night, I took this passage of Scripture and I believe that I squeezed everything that could have been squeezed out of it on that Wednesday night when we talked about the effectiveness of God's Word. But listen to what David says in just these few passages of Scripture about the Word of God. In verse chapter 19 of Psalm, verses 7 through 11, he says, first of all, that the law of the Lord, and that's just another way of saying the Word of God, but he said that the law of the Lord is perfect. Now, here's what that means. That means that the word of God is inerrant, that it is without error, that it is perfect. But not only does it mean perfect in the sense that it is without error, it's perfect in the sense that it is complete. Everything that God knew that you and I would need as it relates to living a life of godliness, 
We can find it right here in this word. Everything that you need for life and godliness, it's right here, ladies and gentlemen. And he said that the law of the Lord is perfect. And then he says that the statutes, and again, that's just another way of saying the word of God. But he said that the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. You see, not only is the word of God inerrant, but the word of God is infallible. And here's what that means. It's not capable of failing. If God said it in his word, it's going to happen. It cannot fail. It's infallible. It's trustworthy. You can rely on the word of God. And then he goes on and he says, the precepts of the Lord are right. And again, that's just another way of saying the word of the Lord, that the word of the Lord is right or righteous. Remember what David said in Psalm 23 and 3, he said that he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And that path of righteousness is the word of God. That when you are being obedient to the word of God, you are walking in the path of righteousness. The word of God is right. As apart from wrong, amen? It is right. And then he goes on and he says this about the word of God. He said, the commands of the Lord are radiant. I love that. That means that they make things clear that maybe wasn't clear before. You know, people that say, well, pastor, I'm just not clear about this cultural issue. Well, go to the word of God. God will give you clarity about all issues. David said it like this in Psalm 119 verse 105. He said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and it is a light unto my path. The word of God is radiant. And then he said this about the word of God. He said that the word of God, and he used the the phrase, the fear of God. And the reason why he did that is because you need to know that every time you open this book to read this word, you are inviting God to speak to you. This is the words of God. And every time you read it, you are inviting God to talk to you, to speak to you, to have a conversation with you. That's why every time you open this book to read it, to study it, you need to do it with fear. And and, and by that, I mean you need to do it with reverence and you need to do it with respect because God is talking to you. God is speaking to you. This is primarily the way that God talks to us today is through his word. And it says that the fear of the Lord, the word of God is pure. That just simply means that it is unadulterated. Peter said it like this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23 through 25. He said that the word of God is not perishable seed. He said things like grass and flowers and human beings. He said that's perishable seed. He said those are things that are eventually going to fade away, things that are going to pass away. But he said that the word of God is not perishable seed. It is imperishable seed. And that's why he said in verse 25 that it will endure forever. Amen. Listen, the word of God will endure forever. The word of God will never become irrelevant. Amen. It will endure forever. And then he says this about the decrees of the Lord. And decrees is just another way of saying the judgments of the Lord, the word of God. He said that the judgments of the Lord, they are firm. Now listen, we know a lot of earthly judges that when they hand down a verdict, whether it be guilty or innocent, they don't always get it right. Sometimes they get it wrong. But can I tell you, when God hands down a verdict, it is always right. You can never argue with the verdict that God gives, whether it's guilty or whether it's innocent. His verdicts are firm. 
And let me tell you why his judgments are always right. It's because he judges according to his word. Amen. And so because of that, his judgments are firm and all of them are righteous. And then David says this about the word of God. He said, they are more precious than gold, than pure gold. He said, you need to understand how valuable these words are. That these words are more precious and more valuable than any of earth's commodities, whether it be gold, whether it be, whether it be silver, whether, whether it be whether it be diamonds or rubies or anything of that. He said, you need to understand that the most valuable thing that you possess is the word of God. Can you imagine that if we begin to see how valuable God's word is and what God's word could produce in our lives? Oh my goodness, how our lives would change and how our lives would be transformed. And then he said this, he said, they are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Even those words, that at first may taste a little bit bitter when you first hear them. When you begin to obey them, you begin to understand, wow, this stuff really works. And what may have tasted bitter when I first heard it has now, it, it, it now tastes like honey. Look at the beautiful things that it has accomplished in my life. And then he says this, he says, by your word, Lord, is your servant warned. And then by keeping your word, he said, there is great reward. So he's telling us that in the word of God, that through the word of God, that we have both protection and provision when we hear, when we understand, and when we obey the word of God. But here's what's awesome. God hasn't just given us his word and I hear a lot of people say, well, pastor, I would sure read God's word more and I would study God's word more and I would try to memorize God's word more if, but, but, but I have a hard time, pastor, understanding God's word. Listen, that cannot be an excuse, especially in the day and time in which we live. Look at all of the resources, uh, even, even from, from this, from, from a human perspective, the resources that God has given us to help us understand what his word says, amen? A lot of good resources, a lot of good commentaries, a lot of good dictionaries, a lot of good Bible teachers today that can help us understand the word of God. But more than that, we also have spiritual help when it comes to understanding the word of God. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples here in John 14. He told his disciples when he left, he said, I'm gonna pray to my father and he's going to send you another helper. And notice what he says. He's going to abide with you forever, but he's a helper. What is he going to help you do? He said, he is the spirit of truth. And then he says this, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him because he said right now he dwells with you. But in a few days after Pentecost, he's going to live on the inside of you. Amen. So you see, we don't just have the Holy Spirit walking along with us. Now, we do have that, especially before we were believers. The Holy Spirit walked along beside us and he's the one that was convicting us of our sins and bringing us into a relationship with God. But once you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, do you know what? Your body then becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life. 
And notice what he does in John chapter 16, verse 13. It says, but when he, the spirit of truth, moves in, what's he going to do? He's going to guide you and me into all truth. And so the Holy Spirit helps us hear the word of God. He helps us understand the word of God. And he gives us the power that we need to obey the word of God. Somebody thank God for his word this morning. Amen. But back to what Paul said. Paul said that we need to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So what is the Word of God that we just talked about? The Word of God is a sword. That means that it is a weapon. Now, the sword that he was referring to was not this kind of sword. Now, every Roman soldier had a sword about this size, But this is not the sword that Paul is referring to here in Ephesians 6. And can I just tell you this morning that it's been a long time since I pulled this sword out of its sheath that was in my office today. Let me tell you where I got this sword. The last Sunday that I was the pastor of Life Church International in Atlanta, Georgia, where I'd served for nearly 19 years, the last Sunday that I was there, the men of that church presented me with this sword. And they believed that I had heard from God in leaving Life Church International to come here to Summerton Church of God in Summerton, Alabama. And so that's why they had inscribed on this sword Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. And it reminded me this morning in my office, the Holy Spirit reminded me why I'm here. Joshua chapter one, verse six says, be strong and courageous because he said, you are going to lead my people into the inheritance that I promised their forefathers. Listen, if for no other reason, and I might just be taking a little bit of a sidestep from the message this morning. If for no other reason, I know that God has sent me here to help you get to where God has promised you years ago that he wanted to take you. It's not about where I want you to go and it's not about where anybody else, it's about what God spoke to our forefathers when this church was planted in Summerton, Alabama almost a hundred years ago and God said, I have a purpose and a plan and a vision for this community. Yes. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, you've got to be strong and you've got to be courageous because you're going to be the one that's going to lead them into that inheritance that I have promised them. Oh, if nobody else is going to praise him, I'm going to praise him this morning. Hallelujah. I needed that this morning. The sword that the apostle Paul would have been talking about would have been more this size. When he was talking about the sword, you say, well, why not the big sword? (laughs) It was more this size. In the Greek, the word is machera. And every Roman soldier would have had this sword and this sword. And they needed a sword this size because sooner or later they knew that they were going to stand face to face with their enemy and they needed something that they could do damage with from up close. 
something that they could pull out of their sheath and do the damage that needed to be done. And so Paul says that the word of God is a sword, it's a weapon. But it's not just any weapon. He said it is the sword of the spirit. That means it is a spiritual weapon. Just like every one of these other weapons that we've looked at. The only difference is this. Everything that we've looked at so far are defensive pieces of the armor. But the sword is not just a defensive piece of armor. It is to be used defensively. But more than that, it is an offensive weapon. But not only is it a spiritual sword, because it's the sword of the Spirit, it's spiritual because it came from the Spirit. The Word of God came from the mouth of God. That's why first, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, he said that holy men of old spake as they were moved upon by the Holy Ghost. So we're looking here at a spiritual sword that is spiritual because it is the sword of the Spirit, but it's a sword that comes from the Spirit, that comes directly from the mouth of God. Now listen, the one thing that soldiers had to do when they were issued a sword is they had to be trained in how to use the sword. I think we have failed many times as the church in teaching people how to use the sword of the Spirit. Because so many people use the sword of the Spirit in a way that it is not pleasing to God. Like Peter cutting off the ear of Malchus. That's not how he was supposed to be using his sword. But he says this about the sword of the Spirit. He said that, that, that you and I, we need to be trained. I, uh, a couple of years ago, I bought my first handgun. Can you believe that? 56 years old, just buying my first handgun. So I bought this nine millimeter and several of us guys were out at our camp, Camp Utopia, shooting our guns. I'm shooting mine for the first time. Now understand, nobody's taught me how to shoot this thing. And, and, and I don't think I need to be taught. I take that nine millimeter in my hand, biggest mistake, I put my thumb right behind it. Some of you guys that know how to shoot guns, some of you ladies that know how to shoot guns, you don't put your thumb behind a nine millimeter. I put my thumb behind the nine millimeter, I fired it. Man, that chamber popped back, hit my thumb, blood started going everywhere and I looked at the guys and I said, I have blown my thumb off of my hand. That's why you gotta be trained. Of course I didn't, it's still here, but it hurt. Man, did it ever hurt. And I tried to make it look like it didn't. You know, I just tried to make it look like eh, it was an accident. I knew what I did, you know, blah. No, it, it hurt. It was, it was, you have to be trained to know how to use a weapon. And it's the same with the sword of the spirit. So let me just share a few things with you real quickly about the sword of the Spirit today that you and I need to be aware of. First of all, we need to understand that the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, it is a powerful weapon. Powerful weapon. 
Listen to what Paul says about the power of the sword of the Spirit. He said that the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. But on the contrary, they have divine power. These weapons that you and I have been talking about every week, they have divine power. That means God's power. These are not human weapons. These are not earthly weapons. These are spiritual weapons that have supernatural power. Wow. And he said that we have been given divine weapons to do what? To demolish strongholds. Did you know that there's power in the sword of the spirit to demolish strongholds in your life and in my life? And he goes on and he says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now the key to understanding this passage of scripture is understanding the word strongholds. And the word stronghold there could actually be interpreted two ways. It could mean a fort or a fortress. You remember when they were about to take the city of Jericho, there was a huge wall, a fortress around that city. And that wall had to come down before they could go in and experience victory over that city. That's what he's talking about when he talks about a stronghold, a fortress. It is something that is built to keep things out. But not only can it be correctly interpreted as a fortress, it also has another meaning, listen to me, that of a prison. You say, well, what's the difference? A fortress keeps things out. A prison keeps things in. Let me tell you what I believe that the word, and, and before I say, let, let me just say this today, that there's a lot of people who have been deceived by the lies of the enemy. There's a lot of people that believe things about God and believe things about themselves that do not line up with the truth of God's word. They are in a prison because they are believing a lie and living a lie as if that lie is true. And so it has them locked up in a prison. What they need, they may not know this, but what they need is truth. But because of that fortress that has been built up, Truth is prevented from getting to the heart and into the minds of these people. Listen to me. Until truth gets in, you cannot get out. If you don't take anything else home with you today, take that home with you. That until truth gets in, you will never get out of that prison that you are in. You will remain in bondage. You will remain in captivity. You will remain deceived by the enemy. But the word of God, listen to what Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 23. He said that God's word, he said it's like a fire. And he said it's like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. You say, Pastor, why do you keep getting up here week after week after week? And why on Wednesdays week after week after week? And every time you're given an opportunity week after week after week to preach and to teach the word of God, Pastor, why do you keep doing it? Because I know that like a hammer, that if I keep hitting that fortress long enough with the truth of God, 
God's word that sooner or later that fortress is going to crumble and it's going to fall and people are going to get it. People are going to hear the truth and as a result of hearing and obeying the truth of God's word, they are going to be set free. Jesus said it in John chapter 8 verse 32. He said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall do what? It will set you free. Amen, amen, and amen. Listen, listen to what the writer of Hebrews says about the power of God's word. He said that the word of God is alive. For some of you that think it's dead, irrelevant. No, not the word of God. It is alive. And notice what else he says, that the word of God is powerful. It is a powerful weapon. He said it is sharper. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. He said cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. Listen, if you're going to pierce somebody in the heart, you got to make sure you've got a sharp weapon because you've got to cut through a lot of stuff, Right? you got to cut through skin. You've got to cut through muscle. You've got to cut through marrow. You've got to cut through joints. I mean, you've got to cut through a lot of stuff to finally pierce the heart because the heart has a lot of protection around it. And that's what he's saying about the Word of God. He said that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit. In other words, it's a discerner of our thoughts and our actions. It helps us to discern between what is right and what is wrong, between what is good and what is evil. He said it, it, it cuts between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And then he says this, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Let me tell you what God's word does. God's word is sharp enough and has such a point to it that it's able, it's, it's able to stab into, through whatever it is that would try to keep it from penetrating the heart. That's how strong, that's how powerful, that's how sharp it's able to penetrate through muscle, it's able to penetrate, spiritually speaking, through joints and muscle and fiber so that it can pierce the heart. But notice what it says. It says also that it's an instrument and a weapon of God's judgment. Because look at what he says. He says, everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. Now that word exposed, there's a very interesting word. And here's what it primarily means. It was a word that was used for the filleting of skin off of an animal. So that that animal was left, what? Completely exposed. Do you remember what God said to Samuel when he was about to anoint David as king over all of Israel? He said, Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance. But what does God do? God looks at the heart. And the word of God is sharp enough. Let me tell you what it does. We come to church sometimes or we're in the community some, and we're able to put on a front because man looks at the outward. And looking at the outward, we see one thing. But God's word has a way of just filleting the outward off of us. 
until we are completely exposed and open before God. And listen to me, that is not a bad thing. That is a good thing because every one of us need to see ourselves as we really are, that we can see our sin as it really is in our life so that we can deal with those issues in our lives. That's how powerful the word of God is. But not only is the word of God a powerful weapon, but it's also a precise weapon. Listen, he said, you got to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word. Everybody say word. Notice I capitalized every letter in that word. Because the word, word, in this passage of scripture, is not the word that many times is used to describe the word of God, which is logos, which is the general word of God from Genesis to Revelation. But the word that he uses here in Greek for word of God is not the word logos, it's the word rhema, which means a specific word from God. As I said, the sword of the spirit is both a defensive and an offensive weapon. Now notice how Jesus uses the sword of the spirit precisely as a defensive weapon. We looked at this several weeks ago, but look again in Matthew chapter four, verse three. It says, the tempter came to Jesus and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. In other words, don't wait for God to supply for you. Just, just go ahead and supply for yourself. Take matters into your own hands. And how does Jesus respond? He says, it is written that man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. Jesus doesn't give a general word when he's tempted here in a specific way by the enemy. But he has a specific word for a specific temptation. The enemy is trying to get him to turn stones into bread. And what does Jesus do? He speaks a specific word. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then notice what happens next. It says the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him again and said, it is written. Do not put the Lord God to the test. But the enemy isn't done. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He said, all this I'm going to give you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Defensively, you need to understand the preciseness of this weapon. Every time Jesus was specifically tempted in a specific area of his life, he was always able to respond with a specific word from God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus, throw yourself down from the temple. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. 
Jesus, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world. And again, with a specific word, I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to serve him only. Listen, it's so important. Just because you have a Bible doesn't mean you have a sword. I'm saying some good stuff to you this morning. And when the devil comes against you in that evil day, you ain't going to just be able to take this book and get away from me. No, but what you need, not even just speaking a general word, what you need is a specific word for every temptation that the enemy tries to bring against you. And did you know that's what Peter was talking about? In 1 Peter 3 and 15, he said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give for the reason of the hope that you have. You see, when somebody asks you to defend what you believe, you need to be able to specifically from God's word, be able to defend what you say you believe. That's why it's important that you do more than just read it. That's why it's important that you do more than just study it. You have got to memorize the word of God. David said, I hid his word in my heart so that I might not sin when the enemy comes to tempt me. We've got to have a specific word for every temptation that the enemy brings against us because you don't just go generally using the sword. You got to learn, man. You got to learn to be precise with the word of God. <laughs> But offensively, it's the same. Listen to what Paul said. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Paul knew that God's word had the power to save lives. But notice what he says. It's not enough for me just to believe that. In, in, in Romans chapter 10, he said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's awesome, isn't it? That everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here's the problem. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching to them? And then he goes on and he says, and how can anybody preach unless they have been sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet. I want you to notice the action, the, the offensive in this. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And then he goes down a couple of more passages and he summarizes it like this. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word the rhema of God. Those who need to be saved, listen to me, they need a specific word from God. Not just any word, they need a specific word. They need to know, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Christ died for your sins, that he was buried, that he rose again on Easter, and that over 500 people saw him alive again after his resurrection. They need to hear a specific word that says God demonstrated just how much he loved you because Christ died for you even while you were still in your sins. 
sins. They need to hear a specific word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Out of the general word of God, they need to hear the specific word called the gospel. And when they hear it and believe on it, they shall be saved. It's a powerful weapon. It's a precise weapon. But then here's the last thing we want to talk about this morning. That is, it's a productive weapon. Listen to what Isaiah said. And Tanya, you can go ahead and help me close here. Isaiah said this in Isaiah 55. He said, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. He said, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. God says, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. In other words, God is saying, my word will produce when it's heard, when it's understood, when it's obeyed. That's what Jesus was talking about. Matthew chapter 13. And I'm going to close with this scripture. But listen to me, you got to hear this. This is so important because you got to see how the enemy works to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath. And the birds came and ate them. A footpath is something that you travel consistently that's gotten packed down and hard, not able to penetrate. And so he said, the birds came and, and ate them. Other seeds, he said, fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted when the hot sun came up. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds, he said, fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. And still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much that had been planted. So Jesus is talking to them in a parable. But then he comes back and he explains the parable to them. You see, if you read long enough, you'll find the explanations. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting the seeds. He said, this is what it all means. He said, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Do you know what that hard ground represents? It represents those strongholds and those fortresses that are keeping you from receiving the truth of God's word. And because of that, the enemy, the devil, is able to come immediately and do what? Steal the seed. Now understand, Jesus here is talking about himself as the sower. He's talking about the seed as the word of God. This morning, I am the sower sowing the seed of God's word. And then he said this. He said, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Man, pastor, that was a good message today. Whoo, you blessed my soul today, pastor. 
But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. And they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Because the soil would only go down so deep and then it would hit that hard limestone that can only be found there in, in, in the Middle East. And so it was only able to go so far. But as soon as it hit the hard spot, it couldn't go any further. And then when the sun came out, it parsed it. When persecution or problems come. But then notice what he says. The seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly... The message is crowded out like thorns by the worries of this life and the rule of wealth so that no fruit is produced. So what we've seen so far is this. We've seen how the enemy works with deception. We've seen how the enemy works with distractions, the cares of this world and the lure of wealth. We see how he works with discouragement because of persecution and problems that come our way that discourage us. All of these things that are trying to keep us from not just hearing, but understanding and doing God's word so that we can be fruitful. Do you see how hard the enemy fights against this, the word of God? But then notice the last part here. He said, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understands God's word and does what? They produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. You see, if there's anybody who knows how productive the word of God can be, it's the devil. And he knows that if he can steal the seed of God's word, that he can keep you from being productive. Productive in what sense? He knows that the moment you hear it, understand it, and obey it, that everything in it is going to start working in your life. That the Word of God is going to produce what it was sent to produce. But more than that, let me tell you what he's trying to stop. When he talks about those that bear 30, 60, and 100 fold, do you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to keep you from reproducing yourself as a child of God who hears, understands, and obeys the word of God. We talked about that belt of truth and that's where the sword would be kept. Why? Because truth comes from the word of God, from the sword of the spirit. And that belt of truth, what would it do? It had this that hang, would hang down in the front that would protect the reproductive organs. Why? Because the enemy wants to take away our ability to reproduce. Can you imagine as a God-fearing, Bible-believing, Bible-living child of God began to reproduce yourself 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. What kind of damage we could do against the kingdom of darkness. Listen, we are not going to win this world by complaining about how things are going on in this world. And we are not going to win this world by trying to shelter ourselves from this world. 
I'll tell you how we're going to win and transform this world for the glory of God. It's when child, when, when sons and daughters of God began to reproduce themselves by taking the seed of God's word that was planted in them that changed their lives and now they're planting that seed in other people's lives and other people's lives and other people's lives and before you know it you've reproduced yourself 30 fold 60 fold 100 fold I don't say this arrogantly this morning, but can you imagine if there were a hundred more people like me who love the word of God and who's gonna stand and preach and teach the word of God no matter what evil may come against us. That's how we're gonna win this world. It's reproducing, reproducing, being fruitful for the glory of God. Come on, everybody stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, come on, give God another good praise right here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I need 30 more of you. I need 60 more of you, God is saying. I need 100 more of you, but it's up to you. It's up to you to scatter the seed. You are now a sower, and I need you to scatter the seed. Now, here's something that I want you to recognize because this is important. The problem in this parable was not the power of the seed, right? So the problem wasn't the seed. And the problem wasn't the sower because the seed is the same in all four of these scenarios and the sower is the same in all four of these scenarios. What was the problem? The soil. The soil. How is your heart today? Is your heart hard that keeps even the truth of God's word from penetrating? How is your heart today? Is it shallow? that you're only good as long as things are going good. But the moment that problems and persecution comes, forget this, throw in the towel and quit. Is your, the soul of your heart one of those that is divisive? That is, you're trying to have the word of God and the world in your heart? Listen. Just like the parable says, the world will choke the word out of you. Or do you have that heart that says, I'm your servant, Lord, speak to me, I'm listening. That my heart is ready to receive your word to understand your word, to obey your word. Because if that is the soil of your heart, then God says you're going to be fruitful. Now listen, I don't mean to make anybody in this room here today, the, the, it's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict. I've never tried to be your convictor. That's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. But let me ask you something today. If you're trying to decide what is the soil of my heart like? Let me ask you this, how productive are you? 
How fruitful are you? How many people have you told about Jesus? How many people have you shared the gospel with? When you stand before the Lord, are you gonna be able to rejoice because you see others in heaven that if it were not for you, perhaps they would not even have been there? Because you see, that tells us exactly what the condition of the soil of our heart is. If the seed has taken root, it will produce. And not only will it produce, but we're gonna wanna share that seed with others so that their lives can be fruitful and productive as well. Amen? That's how we're gonna change this world. That's how we're gonna do it. Not by saying, hey, everybody come. But it's when we obey God saying, hey, everybody, go. Go. Mark chapter 16, go and preach the gospel to every creature. And then here's what he said, those that hear that, do you know what they're gonna do? He said, those that hear that and believe and their lives are changed as a result of hearing the gospel, do you know what it says? It says, then they will go and drive out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In other words, when you share the word with them and their lives are changed by, then they themselves will become fruitful and productive. Oh, I could preach this all day long, but it ain't gonna help one bit if we don't do something with it. So Father, in the name of Jesus today, I pray that your seed, God, has has fell in good soil today. Lord, for every hard heart in this room, I pray that your Holy Spirit has been plowing this morning, plowing, breaking up the hardness of their heart, the hardness of that soil so that the seed can penetrate and take root. God, those who have, who, who have been shallow in their relationship with you, not taking it as seriously as they should, not letting their roots grow down deep in you, Lord. I pray that right now, Father, that they will make, make a commitment, that they will desire the sincere milk of your word, Lord, so that they can grow thereby, that they would grow in the grace and knowledge, that their roots, Lord, would go down deep so that they can stand even in the worst of the evil days. And I pray for those, God, whose hearts are divided today, who are trying to entertain both the word of God and the world. And there's not place and room enough for both. So Lord, I pray today that they choose your word because your word, Lord, can make us fruitful. Your word can make us productive. God, may every one of us in this room here today be the kind of soldier in the army of God that is fruitful and is productive, hallelujah, because we've allowed your word to take root in our heart. And now we're producing 30, 60, 100 fold in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted amen. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself 
So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.